I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Or do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? But if I yet pleased men, I should no longer be the servant of Christ. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Jesus said to His disciples, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, and also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And since I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Dr. Mitchell continues our study in Galatians chapter 1, Christ our Liberator, the foundation of the true gospel of the grace of God. Here is Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you with studies in the New Testament, and we are in the Paul's letter to the Galatian church, and we've just been talking about introduction to this blessed book of Galatians, where the apostle Paul was so concerned about these Christians in that part of the world because they had been led astray by false teachers who came from Jerusalem and who sought to turn them away from the sufficiency of Christ. And they declared that the apostle Paul was, didn't belong to the apostle. He was not one of the twelve. He was an independent who went out his own way, and hence they were opposed to him and intimated that Paul was not giving them the truth as it is in Christ. Well, the result was that Paul, in these first two chapters, 
he must defend his apostleship and then his message. And he cannot defend his message without, first of all, proving his apostleship. So we have this in these first two chapters. But first of all, we have the the introduction to the epistle in the first ten verses, where Paul takes up his authority and his message very briefly. And in the first verse of this chapter, we read the first chapter, Paul, an apostle, by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Again, I want you to notice that he was not an apostle made by man, nor by any local church. We're going to find that before we get to the end of this first chapter, as well as chapter 2. But he insists, first of all, that he was called by God the Father, and he was called by Jesus Christ, the one who was raised from the dead. And Paul is very insistent on this fact that he received his apostleship and his message from a risen Christ, not from any group of men. He didn't go to school to learn his message. God gave to him by divine revelation the wonderful message of the grace of God, and he was called by a risen Christ, which we have here in the first verse. And uh, again, may I repeat what I said in our past lesson. The law has had nothing to say since our, our Savior has died on the cross. The law is unto the cross. And from there on, God has a message to give to man, a good news of deliverance from even the very curse of the law. As you find in chapter 3, 13, you remember, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. The trouble is that the legalists will not allow that all the law can do is curse. Remember this. I'm going to be saying this over and over again. The law cannot do anything else but curse. The law doesn't fit you to walk before God. The law demands righteousness. The law demands sinlessness. The law makes demands which you cannot fulfill. And I know you're going to ask the question, why did God give us the law? Just to prove yourself helpless, to show you what you really are. The law was given to give a distinctive character to sin. The law can't do anything for you, my friend, except curse you. It's a ministration of death. So he says in verse 1 again, he's an apostle from a risen Christ. And then he adds, And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Notice, all the brethren which are with me uh, unto the churches of Galatia. In other words, I'm not standing alone in this matter. All the brethren are with me in what I have to say. They know that I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then his usual salutation in verse 3 Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I needn't say it, I need, I'll just say it, but I won't stress it, that peace is always the resultant of grace. And where there is no grace, there cannot be any peace. My friend, let's face it, peace is the resultant of grace. Therefore, being justified by faith, says Paul in Romans 5, 1, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And how are we justified? By faith, by grace. Now we come to verse 4. What an amazing verse. This risen Christ who called me also delivered me from my sins. 
or as the verse reads, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and the Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Will you notice the fourth verse, a wonderful verse? This risen Christ hath delivered us, first of all, from our sins. His work is sufficient. He gave himself. Nothing need to be added. Nothing can be added. Nothing must be added. He gave himself. Can you add to that, my friend? This is the really the key of the epistle. He gave himself. All that he is, he gave for us and for you and for me. We might be delivered from our sins. He gave himself for our sins. This wonderful Savior is a voluntary offering. He died because of our sins. May I remind you of 2 Corinthians 5.21? He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You take that wonderful book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The very first message in your New Testament in the gospel through John, verse 29, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In fact, the very first promise in the whole New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, what do we read? Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, where the apostle says, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, he appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, this man by one sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 1, 3, when he had by himself purged our sins in his own body. In 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24, he himself bare our sins in his own body on the cross. And one can multiply these passages. Suffice to say that the risen Christ who called the Apostle Paul into the gospel ministry was the one who delivered him and us from our sins. This is why he came. He gave himself. And I'd like to press that. My Christian friend, please, please don't add any of your works to the work of Christ. Isn't Christ a sufficient sacrifice? Isn't Christ sufficient for your sins? Didn't he bear all your sin? Didn't he put away all your sin? Please don't spoil it by coming along with your works and adding it to the work of Christ. He gave himself. That's enough. And, and the second chapter, verse 20, where Paul says, Who loved me and gave himself for me. And not only so, but to deliver us from this present evil world or this present evil age. And remember, you are never 
never delivered from this present evil age by anything that you can do. Is nothing short of the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, who can deliver you from this present evil age which is under judgment. Remember that he, uh, Corinthians chapter 4, the second book and the fourth verse says, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of those who believe not. It's an evil world, and Satan is its prince, and Satan is its God, and Satan is its power. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 says, the last chapter of the same book, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Between the believer and the world stands the cross of Christ. Oh, listen, Christian friend, when you and I accepted the Savior, he not only put away our sins, but he took us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of his blessed Son. He redeemed us from this present evil world, this present evil age. It's an evil age. And Satan is its prince and its God. And he is the one who energizes the unsaved. You find that in Ephesians chapter 2, 2 and 3. And this is the key of the whole book. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. It was the will of God that Jesus Christ should come and bear away our sins in his own body on the cross. And at that same cross he defeated Satan and all the cohorts of hell. And when you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our own personal Savior, we were immediately delivered from our sins and from this present evil world. My, what a message. And I must add this, nothing else can deliver you from sin and from this present evil world. There's not a philosophy of man. There's not a religion of man. There's not a doctrine of man. There's not any work of man that can deliver you and me from our sins and from this present evil world. There's only one person who can do that. And Jesus Christ gave himself to deliver us from this present evil world. My friend, is this risen Christ your Savior? Have you been joined to this one who put away your sin, who delivered you from this present evil world, and who guarantees his salvation by resurrection? I would urge upon you to accept, to put your trust in this Savior, a complete, perfect, eternal, satisfying Savior. And now the theme that Paul brings up is in verses 6 to 10, and his theme is the gospel of the grace of God. I read from verse 6, and mark the, the strong language here. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, 
If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should no longer be the servant of Christ. Let me just stop here now. Here you have the theme of his gospel. Notice verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, the gospel of the grace of God is concerning a person. And when one turns from the person of Christ, that one always turns to confidence in the flesh. We have been called by a risen Christ into the grace of Christ, the gospel of the grace of God. You remember Ephesians chapter 2, 7 to 9, which says, that in the ages to come he might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us by Christ Jesus. Now, this is the future. It's the purpose of God. In the ages to come, he is going to show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us by Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. In Romans chapter 4, verse 5, I read, To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 5, we read, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Now remember, we're called into the grace of Christ. And you take away justification by faith. And all Christian doctrine is lost. For when one turns from Christ, the sufficiency of Christ, then you must turn to the confidence in the flesh. And remember that God only recognizes one righteousness, and that's God's righteousness. And the gospel of Jesus Christ stands and recognizes only one righteousness, and that is Christ's righteousness. And you cannot unite the religion of the flesh with that of the Spirit. May I repeat that? The impossibility of uniting the religion of the flesh. And by the way, the religion of the flesh is to find favor with God by what you do. That's, that's uh, natural man's religion. As Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man and the way thereof are the ways of death. Now, the gospel only stands for one righteousness, God's righteousness. That's Christ's righteousness. Take Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Paul says, I'm going to be found in him, in Christ, not having mine own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God by faith, even the righteousness of Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, do you remember it? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, whether Jew or Gentile. For therein, in this gospel, is revealed the righteousness of God, and as it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
In Romans chapter 10, verse 4, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, the preceding verse of that passage says that the Jews going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, if you've got righteousness of your own, that's legal righteousness. Supposing you did keep the whole law of Moses, you wouldn't have Christ's righteousness. Did you hear what I said? Supposing you could keep the whole law of Moses, you still would not have Christ's righteousness. You just have your own legal righteousness. We had that in Romans chapter 10, the contrast between legal righteousness and the righteousness of Christ. But what I'm trying to get to your heart is this. You cannot have the religion of the flesh united to that of the Spirit. The gospel stands for and recognizes only one righteousness, and that's Christ's. And you cannot unite the religion of the flesh with that of the Spirit. Oh, I, I wish in some way I could put that in a way you could understand me. Listen, friend, when you turn from Christ, that's what they had. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him. You turn from a person to a system. You turn from the grace of God to law. You turn from Christ to Moses. You turn from Christ's work on the cross to your own works. You see, you're turned away from him. Oh, to get this into the hearts of people, that when you're trusting your own self-righteousness, you're turning your back on Christ himself. You're removed from him who called you by his grace, who called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. No wonder, no wonder Paul marveled in verse 6, I marvel that you're so soon removed from Christ. Listen, friend, legalism denies the complete fall of man. Legalism says that there's some good in man that can appeal to God. Legalism denies the complete fall of man. Likewise, legalism denies the complete work of Christ. Christ's work is not sufficient. So I've got to add to what Christ has done. And notice that these people... These people did not deny the gospel. They perverted the gospel. Whenever you add something to the work of Christ, you pervert and you ruin the gospel of the grace of God. That's what he says in the very next verse. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. And in verse 9, and we said before, so see I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have declared, let him be accursed. I say these people did not deny the gospel that Christ died for them, but they perverted it. They wanted to add to the work of Christ by the keeping of the law of Moses, by some ceremonies. 
instead of the simple, precious, complete work of Christ. And I want to say this, and I'm repeating it. They were removed from a person. They left the Son of God with all his perfection and the sufficiency of his work. They got their eyes on themselves and trusted themselves. And legalism denies the complete fall of man and it denies the complete work of Christ. I go all the way in the fall of man. I'll go all the way in the sufficiency of the work of Christ for sinners. Now, friend, this is where we are. What gospel do you believe? Whom are you trusting? Is Christ your only Savior, or is it Christ plus yourself? And if it's Christ plus yourself, my friend, then you're perverting the gospel of the grace of God. And Paul uses some very strong language there. I just trust that today you might come into real fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ who is sufficient for time and for eternity. And the Lord bless you today for his namesake. you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.